So I, w- I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn this morning not to Jude because it's back to school Sunday and I couldn't find anything about that in the book of Jude, sorry. Man, don't say amen, I heard that. Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 is what I'm going to read to you this morning. I want to tell you this morning, since this is back to school Sunday, I want to tell you a story of a teacher and I want to set the stage for that story through this passage in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Don't you love this picture? And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. When my son Jonathan graduated from high school, he decided he wanted to be a lawyer. And so I'm going to tell you a story about my son Jonathan. I thought, well, if I'm going to tell you a story about Jonathan, I need to put on the screen a picture of Jonathan so you'll get an idea of who... Oh, that's not, that's not, how did that get up there? That's not John, that's my granddaughter Madeline. Well, let's just take a good look at that for a minute. Is that not the most adorable picture of a little girl that you've ever seen in your life? My goodness. That is Jonathan's daughter. Now, Scott, get it right. Let's see a picture of Jonathan. So Jonathan, this is Jonathan and Kristen and Madeline. And so Jonathan decided he wanted to be a lawyer. And I guess there were many noble reasons why he wanted to be a lawyer but I think one of them was because he grew up in a family of a missionary and a minister and so there wasn't a lot of money going on in that family so probably he's thinking hey you know lawyers they make good money but I think another thing that might have driven Jonathan is when he was a teenager go figure we argued a lot right and so as we would argue he was really good at arguing he would just wear me down to the point I'm just about ready to give in and so I would say you should be a lawyer now, there were probably other noble reasons why he chose that track, but he entered LSU on a pre-law track. Four years, he's studying to be a lawyer. On the senior year when he was going to graduate, he decided, okay, he's starting to look for a, a law school to go to. So I knew he was doing this. Well, one Sunday, he walks into the living room. I remember this very clearly. I'm sitting on the couch, and he puts, um, he puts a pamphlet down on the coffee table, that was a, a brochure for Duke School of Divinity. And I knew he was looking for a law school, so I thought, well, maybe Duke School of Divinity has under its larger umbrella Duke Law School at Duke or something like that. He said, no, Dad, I've decided to, to shift gears. I, I want to do something in ministry. And so I was kind of like, I was surprised. First of all, I was surprised. Do you want to be a minister? Because, I mean, he'd seen what it's like to be a minister is not easy and the other thing I was going Duke that means you're going to like become an Episcopal priest and so what, what is, the, what is the, the plan there he grew up in a Christian home and he grew up going to church and church life but it happens when you become a teenager that you start kind of 
wondering, is this for real, this faith stuff? You start testing the waters of your faith, and he did, and, and you start determining, is this faith of my parents, is it going to become my own faith? We've been studying this on Sunday mornings with the teenagers, entitled Before You Leave, Developing Your Own Faith. And so he was really questioning, do I believe this? So Karen and I got on these books written by Lee Strobel on, apolog- uh, on apologetics, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, The Case for Creator, great books. He read those and those kind of launched him into further study and reading to the point he came to the, to the realization, okay, yeah, I, I do believe in, in, in Christ and, and I, I do believe in the Christian faith. Then he bought this book. I think he got it on his own. I don't think I gave this to him. Written by the theologian, German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship, which basically asks you the question, so what you believe? Are you going to be really a disciple? Do you really believe it? And he read it and he decided, yeah, I think that's what I want to do. And so there he was in the living room talking to me and I'll always remember these words. He said to me, Dad, I just, just decided that, how do you word it? I don't want to wake up when I'm 75 years old rich but empty. Now let me just say something here. Becoming a lawyer, it doesn't mean, well, you shouldn't become a lawyer because it's only all, all about being rich. We, we have a lawyer in this church who just stood a few minutes ago, Ron, who, who in his law practice is serving God in an incredible ministry with dignity. So those jokes that you hear about lawyers, they don't apply at all to this guy. But that was just, Jonathan said, you know what? That's not the direction, the course that I want to take for my life. And so Jonathan, after graduating from LSU, he moved to Dallas and he spent the next four years at Dallas Theological Seminary to get his master's, preparing to to go in some type of ministry. And his idea was he's going to go to DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary. He's going to get his... um, Masters there, and then he, he had the idea of going on and getting his PhD in probably in philosophy, and he was going to take philosophy and theology, and he was going to merge those two together and work in a secular university, and, and that would be his ministry with, with other people, helping people come to know Christ, it being in that particular field. And so he went to DTS, and as he came closer to, to uh, graduation, and now he was married to Kristen. He began to think, okay, i, I got to start making plans to get my doctorate. But he had this one problem. He had a big school loan. So he's trying to figure out, how do, I, how do I pay off my school loan? Well, he found out, he's in Texas, that with his two degrees from LSU and DTS, he found out that he could pretty easily get a teaching certificate and teach school in Dallas. And so he, um, after he would get a teaching certificate and teach school in Dallas he would make some money he'd pay off his school loan then he would go get his PhD and further his his dreams of going into ministry so that's what he did he got his degree he got his teaching certificate and he became a middle school history teacher and a soccer and um, cross-country coach in 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 a suburb of Dallas but something happened to Jonathan when that started in that school he absolutely fell in love with teaching. He was fascinated with, with, with helping young children uh, develop and, and to shape young children into their future. And so he started getting up like at 4, 4.30 in the morning and going into work. Nobody was making because he wanted to really do a good job. And in the summer when he was free and you'd think you could do anything you want, he was buying books and reading these books to, to help 
get himself positioned for the new year. Jonathan had found his career. But what was, what was interesting to Jonathan and what was awkward for Jonathan was, well, what are people going to say when I tell them I'm, I'm going to be a teacher? What, what is my family going to say? I mean, at first, he's going to be a lawyer. I'm like, wow. And then he's going to go into ministry instead and, and get his PhD. We'll be able to call him Dr. White. And then he got a job as a teacher at Saginaw Middle School. A middle school teacher? In Saginaw? I mean, like, where, where is Saginaw? Now, Kay Headley could probably, I think she can tell us where Saginaw is. And I remember when Jonathan told me his decision to, Dad, this is what I want to do. I could sense that he was kind of wondering, what was I going to think about it? Like, after four years of studying pre-law, and you're going to be a lawyer. And then after four years of getting your, P, of getting your, do, getting your master's and, and setting the stage for getting your PhD, and now you're just going to be a middle school teacher? That, thankfully, was not my reply, nor, nor was it um, my feeling. Sometimes Jonathan will tell me that when he's in conversations with his peers... And everybody's saying, oh, I do this, I work here, I work here, I work there. And Jonathan says, well, I, I, I work as a, as a history teacher. Usually the reply is, oh, it's not like, wow. That's just not the response. Jonathan will tell you he's heard many times the phrase, just a teacher. When Karen and I were, were missionaries in, in, in the Czech Republic, We'd been there for 10 years, and we were maybe in, into it eight or nine, maybe in our 10th year, and so this guy was visiting us, and we knew we were getting ready to go back to the States, and this guy asked me, he said, well, Eddie, what do you think you and Karen are going to do when you go back to the States? And I said, man, I don't know what we're going to do. I said, you know, we really love children, and we're thinking about maybe, maybe being uh, house parents in an orphan's home. And, and I, I remember what he said to me. He said, why would you do that? Anybody can do that. I, I got so upset. You ever just reacted without thinking? I got so upset, I just slapped him on the face and my knuckles hit his jaw and broke his jaw. Not, not really. <laughs> not really. But that may describe the level of intensity of my feelings as he talked about putting yourself in front of children and serving them. And so there's this passage here in Mark chapter 10 and people are bringing their children to Jesus to have them bless them, bless them. And the disciples are like shooing them away. You can't have this, this important rabbi spending his time with all these little children. You can't ex expect this dignified minister to wear a school t-shirt to support back to school Sunday. He's supposed to wear a suit and a tie. Why should Jesus' time be, 
be taking up with them. As a matter of fact, the very next passage, if you'll take a look at it, is, is, is Jesus talking to this guy who's a rich, young ruler. It's like, why should Jesus waste his time with these children when there's a rich, young ruler waiting for him in the wings? And so the disciples are telling these kids to get away. And Jesus got so upset that he just slapped each... No, he didn't. He didn't slap them. But it says he became indignant. That's a strong Greek word there for incredibly strongly angry he rebuked them severely and he said let the little children come to me and he spent time with them he blessed them in the passage that that was read earlier for us on the on the video and Matt we always appreciate what you do to put our, our church family members and those who aren't with us to connect with us in that way that's it's been a wonderful wonderful uh, ministry for us especially during the pandemic in that passage that they read today the disciples were asking Jesus who is the the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and although children were they were regarded like slaves read the history though they were of considered of a lowly position Jesus says you want me to tell you what greatness is and and he brought a little child up and he says this child this child represents greatness in the kingdom of God and those of you who are teachers in our community those of you who are teachers here at PPCS those of you who are teachers in our Sunday school classrooms society may regard you as just a teacher you are in the eyes of God in the midst of greatness. And you know, it's interesting, as you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you're just following Jesus as an activity, notice how many times the word teach or teacher is connected with what Jesus is doing. I would suggest that one of the greatest ways you can follow Jesus is in being a teacher. And so today we, we honor and we, we pray for our teachers as they go back to school. And, and I realize, that, well, that's not all of us, but in, in another sense, I, that's what Laureen was saying, it takes a village. We all, we all have a role in following Jesus in this way. Actually, as Matt was sharing with us earlier, just by being part of our, of our East Side family, that makes you part of the, the partnership that we have between East Side and PPCS and this incredible work that I get to witness firsthand of what God is doing in these hallways that you walk, in these classrooms that you sit in, and in the sports arenas of this school. And as, as Taylor and, and Lorraine were standing here, one of the ways that you can follow Jesus in serving children is letting Taylor and Lorraine know, hey, I, I, I want to help. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a system. Or I'll let, I'll let Kevin and Chris know I want to serve and work in, in, our, in our youth ministry. There is always, always a need for that. And I want to give you a heads up about another need that we have. We are in need right now of anywhere from six to eight to ten individuals who will volunteer in, in, a, in an honored ministry that we, we partner with. It's a foster care organization. It's called Fostering Hope. 
In September, we've asked one of the representatives of Fostering Hope to come here, and, and she's going to share with us what God is doing in that, in that work, and she's going to share with us the needs, and she's going to be coming here to recruit some volunteers. And so in the upcoming, in the upcoming weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you little tidbits about Fostering Hope to whet your appetite because I'm really hoping that some of you will consider taking that on as a ministry. There are many, many other ways to follow Jesus in this way. What is greatness in the kingdom of God? Jesus says, put yourself in the midst of children. You'll find out. My son, Jonathan, he fulfilled his dream of going into ministry. My son, Jonathan, is a history teacher and a soccer coach at Boswell High School. And I, I couldn't be prouder because there he has found greatness. I'm going to ask our shepherds to stand as we enter into our prayer time now. There's, oh, they're coming up here. <laughs> Two of them are. So we have Jake. That's all right. You guys come on up. We have Bob. We have Bill. We have three elders. And so if you're bringing before you a, a, a need for prayer, I want you to reach out to one of them. Our prayer room, just around the corner, follow the signs, is open. I know that a lot of you are coming here with a, with a heavy burden on your heart. And you can go to be prayed for in our prayer room or reach out to one of our shepherds. But look, there's more people with needs than there are shepherds. And so if you know someone this morning that needs prayer or you're one of those people, let's certainly pray for one another. You know one of the things that Jesus says, you want to enter the kingdom of God? God, you enter like a little child. And so if you've never been born again and given your life to Jesus Christ, he says you don't have to get it all figured out and start out as an adult. Look at a child. That's how you enter. And if you, that's your desire, let once know. Let's go before God in prayer now. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.